Good morning. Glad that you're here today. If you would be turning in your Bible to 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Appreciate so much your presence today. To those of you that are visiting, we appreciate you being here. We always want to encourage our visitors to come back to be with us. So grateful for those of you that come regularly, and we hope and pray that our time together will be beneficial. We're glad that everyone had a safe weekend skiing. Uh, glad everybody made it there safely and back home. I know that Jared had a little accident, but we're glad he's doing better and no broken bones, and so we're very grateful for that. In 1 John chapter 2, John said, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. In recent years, a lot has been said about the separation of church and state. From a spiritual perspective, it might be the case that we haven't talked enough about the importance of the separation of the church and the world. The Bible talks about the dangers associated with the world. When Paul wrote to the church at Rome, he said that one of the dangers to those of us who belong to the body of Christ is allowing the world to squeeze or to pour us into its mold. And so he would say that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and he was writing to people that had come out of idolatry and immorality, and he said many, many years ago, come you out from among them and be separate and touch no unclean thing. And he said, I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. One of the real dangers that we face is forging a friendship with the world. And friendship will sometimes lead to great affection. I would imagine that many of us, those of us who are married, we forged a friendship with the person we're now married to. And somewhere along the line, we realized that we were developing feelings for this person. And then we said, you know what? I'm in love. There's a real danger of falling in love with the, with the world. And so today I want to talk about, for a, minute, for a minute or two, I want us to think about the lover that no one wants to admit to. Because what we're talking about are those who belong to the body of Christ who have fallen in love with the world. Now, we don't like to talk about it. We don't like to admit to it. But that's what's happened. We have fallen in love 
with the world. I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the description of the world. If somebody were to ask you, how would you characterize the world? John said, do not love the world. The word, the word world is cosmos. It carries with it the idea of order. And so, there are a number of, there are a number of things that we would identify as the world. For example, the world in which we live. This universe is described as the world. And then we think about how sometimes humanity is described as the world. For example, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world. So John here is not saying that we're not to love the creation, that which God has made. Not saying that we're not to love members of the human family. But there is a system and order if you please, described by John as the world. And he said, that's what we're not supposed to love. Sometimes we talk about, in the business world, the world of finance, the world of sports, the world of fashion, etc. So, John is saying, do not love the world. So how do you describe it? How do you find, define the world? I want to begin by, first of all, calling attention to the fact that the world has a prince. In John chapter 12, verse 31, Jesus spoke of the prince, the ruler of this world. He's talking about the devil. The devil is described as the deceiver of the whole world. He is a diabolical deceiver, a destroyer of the human family. His intent is to circumvent the faith of people. The Bible talks about the prince of this world. He is described by Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 as the ruler of darkness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, he would be identified as the God of this age. So the world that we're talking about has a prince. And you think about all of the havoc that the devil has caused, the lives that have been hurt and maimed by his efforts. It's no wonder Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil. The devil is an adversary. He is not an ally. The world has a, has a prince. The world has a philosophy. Do you remember when Paul wrote to the church at Colossae? He urged them to be careful lest anyone spoil their faith through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and he said, and not after Christ. What about the philosophy of this world? Let me just say this. It is humanistic and hedonistic to its very core. The philosophy that reigns in our world today is just do your own thing. 
Live for pleasure. You remember the Epicureans that Paul spoke to in Acts chapter 17 when he was, when he was in Athens? Epicurus was responsible for this philosophy, this way of thinking. And the idea was to minimize pain, maximize pleasure. There are a lot of folks today, it's all about pleasure, all about gratification. What is it that pleases me? What is it that I want, that I need? So there is a system and order out there. And from a philosophical standpoint, it would say you do what you want to do to make you happy. After all, you are your own God. You're in control. You don't bow down to anybody. You just live like you want to live. Live it up. Only come around one time in this world. After all, you deserve it. There are a lot of folks in our world today, a lot of people in the church, been deceived into thinking like this. So the world has a prince. The world has a philosophy. The world has its people. Did you know that? The world lays claim to its own people. In Luke chapter 16, in verse 8, Jesus in the long ago talked about the sons of this world. In other words, they are the sons of darkness. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus many years ago, he said, you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. And so he said, walk as children of light. And so there is this conflict that is raging. It is the world against the people of God. And there are some within the church that have been taken hostage by the world. They're back in the world. At one time, as Peter said, they had escaped the corruptions that are in the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but they became entangled therein again and overcome. So the world has a prince. The world has a philosophy. The world has its people and the world has its perception. How do you think the world, those who are outside of Christianity, how do they view us? Do you think people in the world, do you think they hate us because we try to love one another? You think they hate us because we're compassionate? Do they hate us because we're benevolent? We try to help other people. We're concerned about the well-being of the human family. Do you think they hate us because of that? What about Jesus? Do you think the world hated Jesus in his day because of his love? Because of his compassion? What about all of the benevolent things that he did? Do you think they hated him because of that? No. In John chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said, The world hates me. You know why? Because he said, I testify of it that its works are evil. The world hated Jesus because he said, Look, what you're doing is wrong. Your lifestyle, it's out of kilter. It's wrong. So why does the world hate us? Because of our lifestyle, because of what we stand for, because of who we are. 
The world doesn't hate us because we love one another and because we're benevolent and kind. The world hates us because, like Jesus, we testify that the works that the world does are evil. So, John says, do not love the world. Well, why should we not love the world? Because of its character. Because of how it is defined. Because the world has a prince. The world has a philosophy that is anti-God. The world has its people. The world has its perception. So John said, do not love the world. There's a second thing I want to call your attention to, and that is the decadence of the world, the corruption of the world. Now, look at verse 16. In verse 16, John said, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Really what he is saying here is that the devil uses things to appeal to us. I would simply say what we're talking about are the devil's decoys. Do you know what a decoy is? You know what this is? It's a decoy, isn't it? You put it, put it, put it in the lake, and the intent is to draw in the ducks. It's a decoy. The ducks don't know if this is real or it's just a decoy, but it's very effective, isn't it? Extremely effective. Let me ask you if you know what this is. This may be my favorite. I can promise you Danny Sanders can tell you what this is. It's his decoy. Why would you use this? a decoy, isn't it? There is a purpose behind a decoy. And what, what John is saying is the devil has his decoys. And he can make things look so real and so genuine that in your mind you're thinking, I've got to have that. I mean, I need this. It looks so good. It feels so good. It gives me that rush of adrenaline. It makes me high. Well, the devil's got his decoys, and let me just say this. The devil is good at what he does. If we were to sit down with him and begin going over his job, you know what the conclusion would be? Well done. You're a master at what you do. 
The devil knows exactly what he's doing. And so he uses decoys. Now what about the decoys the devil uses? Look at verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh is what we do, our deeds. Paul would write in Galatians chapter 5 that the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the two are contrary to one another. So there is this internal war that is going on. As a child of God, the devil is using the flesh. It could be in a number of things. Paul talks about the works of the flesh. Fornication, adultery, uncleanness, drunkenness, on and on and on. But what the devil does, he presents these things and he says, you know what, you need this because it's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you feel good about yourself. You need this. And then he talks about the lust of the eyes. This is what you want, desire. Listen to him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Peter talks about those who have eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. The eyes are the gateway to the soul, aren't they? You ever had the opportunity to go to a fancy restaurant and maybe they have an unbelievable buffet and you walk in and they have every kind of meat imaginable and then they have all of these different vegetables and over here they have all of these desserts and you begin looking at all of the things that are just spread out Somebody says, feast your eyes on that. And you're thinking, man, I can't wait. Looks so good. It is good. Don't you think that's what the devil does using the world? The devil is saying, look, you need these drugs. Did you know that heroin is the number one drug in DeSoto County, and by the way, it is the number one drug in the state of Mississippi in terms of usage right here in DeSoto County. And what the devil is saying to young people is, you need to try heroin. I mean, after all, it'll make you feel so good. Make you high as a kite. You'll feel like Superman, Superwoman. Or you need to drink some alcohol. You need to get with it. You need, you need a beer. You need whiskey. Here's Solomon back here saying, Whoa, wait a minute. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. Whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. But the devil's got his decoys out here. The devil has his people out here. The devil has his perceptions. And so what the devil's people are saying is, You want to be a part of our, our group? You want to run with us? Then you're going to do this. You want to be somebody in school? You're going to be a part of this group? Guess what? You're going to be a part of this, this kind of stuff. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. The devil can make things look so good. 
I remember years ago when they used to advertise alcohol on television. And there was a fellow that had been a Major League Baseball player. And as he was walking down the street, he stopped at a tavern and looked inside that picture window. It's a beautiful setting. Folks sitting around the bar having a drink. You remember what he said? They're having fun in there. That's what the devil wants you to think. He wants you to believe that living in sin is fun. Now, is it fun? Yes. The Bible talks about the pleasures of sin. Can you enjoy a life of sin? You can. But the consequences for every advertisement, talking about how great alcohol is and all the benefits and all the blessings and how it will make you somebody. I've yet to seen one advertisement where Budweiser or Miller Lite or anybody else ever had the courage to stand in a cemetery and film a mama and a daddy burying their child because of an overdose of drugs and alcohol or burying their loved one because of a drunken driver. The devil wants you to, he wants you to think this is what you need. So the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and then the pride of life. This is what you want to be. We talk about dignity. I want to be somebody. You know, the devil has sold a lot of folks a bill of goods in our world that is false to the core. One of the things that the devil has sold us on is that we are a nobody. That we don't matter. And that in order for us to be somebody, we've got to get in tow with his lifestyle. That is with the way he says we ought to live. Now we talk about sin and temptation and all the things that are presented to us and the array that's out before us of the various tactics, the bait, if you please. Did you know that nothing has really changed? Sin is still sin. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, I would grant the devil may package things differently but he is still using the same decoys today that he used in the Garden of Eden. God had said to Adam, you're not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And then here comes the serpent. And the serpent comes to Mother Eve. He asked the question, has God said you're not to eat of the trees of the garden? And she said, well, of every tree of the garden we may freely eat, but of tree which is in the midst of the garden. God said, you're not to eat it nor touch it lest you die. Here's what Satan said. You will not surely die. Was that true or false? False. It was a lie, wasn't it? And so the Bible says when she saw that the, that the fruit was good for food. You know what that is? That is the lust of the flesh. The food the fruit, good for food. The lust of the flesh. 
The Bible says she saw it, lust of the eyes. Had the ability to make her wise, that's the pride of life, isn't it? When Jesus was tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, did the devil not use the same approach to him? Yes, he did. So what's the devil doing to us? He's using these same tactics, isn't he? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And the devil is saying, you want to be somebody, then live like I tell you to live. A lot of folks in our world have allowed the world to encroach upon their spiritual lives. I want you to think for a minute about what Paul said. Paul said, be not conformed unto the world. In other words, Paul is saying, don't let the world squeeze or pour you into its mold. Don't let the world shape your values. Don't let the world shape how you think, how you dress, how you act. But what do we do? Sometimes we allow the world to shape how we dress, how we think, and how we act. Sometimes we talk about a duck. If it walks like a duck, acts like a duck, quacks like a duck, what is it? It's a duck. Well, if we allow the world to pour us into its mold, then what, what has happened? We have compromised. We've allowed, the world, we've allowed the world to pour us into its mold, to reshape how we think, how we act, how we conduct ourselves. So, listen again to what John said. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Jesus faced temptation, as I mentioned a moment ago. Command that these stones be made bread. He's been fasting 40 days and 40 nights. He's hungry. I mean, after all, you're the Son of God. Why not? Jesus said, oh, it's, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You remember the devil took him up into an exceeding high mountain. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, all these will I give you if you fall down and worship me. You remember that? Talk about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Then he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. God has just said at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. If you're the son of God, cast yourself down. I mean, make some dramatic interest. Let everybody know right off the bat, you're the Messiah. I mean, after all, he's given his angels charge concerning you. Boy, the devil is so good, so slick. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil is after you. The devil wants to destroy your faith. 
And so Peter said, whom withstand steadfast in the faith. What does that mean? It means you say no. I want you to listen to what Paul said in Titus chapter 2. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to every man, instructing, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust. That word denying is a very strong term, and it means absolutely not. You do not let the world encroach upon your life. You deny it. You say no to it. Why? Because you're a child of the King. You're a member of the body of Christ. You're not to live like the world. You're not to act like the world. You're not to think like the world. You are a child of the living God. You're a son of God. You are a child of the King. Now, thirdly, let's talk for a minute or two about the doom the destruction of the world. In other words, its conclusion, its condemnation. Here's what John said. The world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. John is saying as a child of God, there are two options, two choices. Number one, you can tie into that which is, as we would say, ephemeral in nature. All that is, is a fancy word that means temporal, transitory. A lot of people living for the here and now. Sometimes as Christians, we get caught up in the here and now, don't we? And we get to thinking about what we want and what we need. And I mean, after all, we're, we're do this. I mean, we work hard every day. What's, what's wrong with a little bit of fun? Nothing wrong with fun. Nothing wrong with pleasure as long as we keep those things within the boundaries of Scripture. But there are a lot of people that hook their wagon to the world. What is the end of the world? You remember the Titanic? The ship? Remember that ship? It was said to be what? Unsinkable, wasn't it? Wasn't a man on earth that could sink it. Well, guess what? The Titanic went down, didn't it? Rest on the bottom of the ocean floor today. You know what John is saying? You hook your wagon to the world, you are on a ship that's going down. It is sinking. It is done. It may not appear like that. It might not seem like that. It feels so good. It looks so good. It makes me feel like I am somebody. But John said, let me tell you what, you are on a ship that is sinking and it is sinking fast. Doomed for destruction. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, We look not at the things which are seen, but rather the things which are eternal. The things which are seen, they are temporal, they are transitory, they are passing away. The devil wants you to think time is on your side. Just do your own thing. 
Here's what happens. We work in the world. We shop in the world. We engage in athletics in the world. We have friends who are in the world. And we are rubbing shoulders every single day with the world. And if we're not careful, before you know it, the world has rubbed off on us, hasn't it? And so we lose clarity in terms of what's important. What was it Jesus said? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Here's what happens. When we became a Christian, we were people who were sold on Jesus. We were sold on the fact that what He said about loving us and caring for us and wanting to save us, we were sold a bill of goods that said, this is truth, and we believed it. And we understood when we became a Christian that He was to be first and foremost in our lives. But over time, what happened? The world began to wear away, chip away. And before you know it, the Lord's not number one like He used to be. My spiritual life's not what it used to be. Sometimes our spiritual lives are in the gutter. It happens. And you know what James said? James said, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever would make himself a friend of the world has become the enemy of God. Does a child of God set out to get on friendly terms with the world? No. Does a child of God set out with the intent of allowing the world to shape and to mold his or her thinking? No. Does a child of God set out to fall in love with the world? No. No. But it happens. And then we hate to admit it, don't we? There are some of you that are married today and you're proud of your mate. You love your mate. If somebody were to ask you, is this your husband, is this your wife, you would say, absolutely. This is, this is my soulmate. This is the one that I've spent the better part of my life with. Did you know as a Christian we are said to be married to Christ, Romans 7, 4? Did you know that as a Christian, sometimes we fall in love with the world? And then we don't want to admit it, do we? It's the lover that no one wants to admit to. If you're in love with the world, number one, it's tough acknowledging that to yourself. Number two, it's tough acknowledging that to other people. And that's why the devil is so good at what he does. He wants you to think you can have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And here's what Jesus said. No man can serve two masters. Can't do it. You cannot do it. You ever tried it? 
Can't do it, can you? What if I were to come in tonight and rather than sitting on the pew, I straddled the pew? Think that would be an enjoyable hour? Be pretty tough, wouldn't it? And yet sometimes that's what we do as Christians, isn't it? I want you to know that if you are straddling the fence, straddling the pew, today's the day to say, you know what, I've had enough of the world. John said, the world is passing away and the lust thereof. So there is the ephemeral part of life and the eternal. He said, but he that doeth the will of the Father does what? Abides forever. You want to live forever in heaven? You can do that. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ, believing that Jesus is the Son of God. It's the best way to live. The Lord paid the price for your sins. He died on Calvary for you. If you would come to Christ in faith, repentance, and baptism. Acts 2.38, still good scripture. Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. God will then add you to the church. What is it the Lord expects of you as a Christian? Be faithful until death. The promise is the crown of life. So if you're here today and maybe you're struggling with the world, maybe, just maybe, you've got a lover but you haven't admitted to for a long time. Could I say this? It's time to give her up. Time to give up the world as we stand and sing.